Hey everybody, welcome to episode 10 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Joining us today, as usual, is Sean, aka Shadow Mac from the forums. Don't forget to subscribe and rate on iTunes, as well as check us out at www.aquascapingpodcast.com. Feel free to send in your comments and questions to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. Well, since the last time I talked to you, I got the 20-gallon set up and stocked. I got a couple things coming in the mail today, then I'm done planting. And man, what a difference from an Iwagumi or starting an Iwagumi where, you know, you're doing a carpet and it's sparsely planted and it takes, you know, a month to six weeks to resemble anything close to an aquascape. When you do a jungle or forest style with a lot of variety in there, uh, you know, you just start further along that timeline. You know, it's like instant gratification and it's a lot easier to balance everything out and kind of, you know, hone in your CO2 and your lighting uh, and all of that. So that kind of leads us into our first topic here or our main topic which is a case against Iwagumis for beginners. Let's get into it. Hey, hey guys, it's Sean. I want to talk to you guys about Iwagumi, Aquascapes, and beginners. Uh, And I want to make the case that it is not the best style to choose if you're just starting with the hobby or you're doing one of your first Aquascapes. So let's get into it. Number one, why is an Iwagumi not the best Aquascape to choose as a beginner? Many times it's because you're going to be choosing some plants that may be difficult to grow for someone who hasn't run higher light and CO2 tanks before. A lot of people want to start with HC. I absolutely wanted to start with HC, and I probably failed with it about three times uh, before I got a good carpet of HC. Um, HC requires a little higher light. You can grow it with less light. Absolutely, people have done so. Um, And it also requires... uh, a good management of CO2 and this is where people really struggle in the beginning of the hobby I think when they start running higher light and CO2 tanks is the management of CO2. CO2 uh, there are many aspects to getting it right the two things that are most important are timing and getting the uh, the quantity uh, the concentration of CO2 that you need uh, for the light levels and plants in your tank and it's it's difficult to learn that uh, off, off the bat and you're gonna fail you're gonna struggle with it you're gonna see algae you're gonna see instability and uh, which leads me into the second reason why an Uugumi is not the best aquascape for someone just starting in the hobby, and that's because it starts you with a very low plant density. Uh, the higher plant density you start with when you start an aquascape, the better your chances are of fighting off uh, things like algae and, and diatoms uh, at the start of your aquascape as things um, start to balance out. The plants are great at creating stability, sucking up extra ammonia uh, and nutrients, that in an unstable tank or a tank with low plant density may lead to uh, to growth of algae. Something else that's an added benefit of having a, a plant, a heavily planted tank, you know, right from the beginning, is instant gratification. You know, you see <laughs> this tank right now, the one that I just set up looks. You know, I, I must admit it looks a little bit amateur the way that I have sculpted it. You know, I'm going to have to work on that uh, as the tank matures and kind of rearrange things a little bit. But I, the thing is, you know, it looks pretty good just because there's lots of plants in there <laughs> by default. If you just put a bunch of plants in your tank, inherently it looks interesting. It looks, you know, good to a certain extent. Of course, you can sculpt it and uh, and really scape it to look amazing uh, and sophisticated. But... When you start off with an Iwagumi and say you want to carpet everything, 
uh, you're going to start off with not very much. It's going to take a while for that to look interesting and, and satisfying to you. But with a heavily, heavily planted tank from the beginning, you already have something that looks interesting, and uh, you know, there's kind of an instant gratification to that. So that's it. Those are kind of the two primary reasons why I wouldn't recommend a new Agumi. Uh, for beginning aquascapers. I think one of the best places to start, since we're on the topic of what kind of an aquascape to start with, would be something like a jungle or nature style scape with lots of lore-like plants like crypts, ferns. Uh, you can pick some easier stems like Myriophyllum species, um, Hygrophilia species. Those types of plants are great to start off with. They look good and you can help you learn uh, how to grow plants well and dial in CO2 and you're also going to be able to plant those plants very densely a great foreground carpeting plant gonna be many of the eleocaris species um, i prefer the bellum or japanese mini hair grass because you don't have to trim it a lot uh, parvula is recognized as one of the um, lower light easier to grow hair grass species uh, i've had mixed results with it there was a time in when i was first beginning that i really struggled growing parvula and then i had an easy time growing bellum which uh, is is considered to be a more difficult uh, hair grass. Uh, Achicularis is easy, it's great. The one thing with that is that species requires quite a bit of frequent trimming if you're using it in the front. Um, the nice thing about that trimming is you can shape it, you can get looks out of it uh, in ways that you can't get the shorter hair grass species because um, they're just not as long. So that is what I would recommend if you're just starting out looking at what kind of escape is for me. Uh, I know you've probably drawn the Uwagumis. I think a lot of beginners are. They're simple, they're elegant, uh, and they're very modern looking. But believe it or not, that simplicity um, belies the complexity and difficulty in actually executing it uh, to your satisfaction. So um, look for it you know, after you gain some experience, uh, particularly with higher lighted CO2. You know, another thing with an Iwagumi or any aquascape that you're planning on having a large carpet is that it takes time to grow in. You know, that first month or maybe six weeks, not a lot happened um, in that Iwagumi. And, you know, besides diatoms, and those weren't that fun. That was a disappointment because I didn't really know what they were. Uh, and I thought I was doing something wrong. Um, you know, when I first saw those first runners shoot out, you know, that's super exciting. But that was the only thing that happened in the first month, really. And, you know, so keep that in mind if you're planning on creating something with, with a large carpet or an Iwagumi or if this is your first time, that things do take time um, to get to a point where they start to look, you know, somewhat decent or like something that resembles an aquascape. If you start with more of a heavily planted tank or maybe a forest style or jungle style, um, or something that has a lot more species, you kind of start further along down that timeline. You know, normally when you purchase purchase them or get them, they're a lot larger. Um, you put them in, and they take up space. And as a beginner, I think that kind of gives you more confidence in what you're doing. Just seeing a lot, you know, a lot more plant mass. You know, just a side note here, if you are planning on doing an Iwagumi or you're trying to get a carpet going, don't be afraid to put in some temporary plants uh, that are maybe, you know, uh, on the larger side that are very easy to grow. Things that maybe you can discard later on or use in a different uh, aquascape just to use as a crutch to help balance, thing out, balance things out in the beginning there for you. Um, you could always remove them in the end once your carpet's established and grown in. 
I should mention that Jay's first scape was actually an Uwagumi style scape. Uh, he used Eliocaris Acicularis and uh, and some just some stones. I'm not sure where you, you got the stones, Jay. But uh, the the tank looked great, and it was his first scape. And I think the keys to that were that he picked a species that is uh, easy to grow for many, and also uh, he ran lower light, uh, so management of CO2 is easier, management of nutrients is easier when you have lower light. And I think those were the keys to his success. He didn't put a lot of strain and stress on trying to grow something like HC. Uh, he picked a good plant. He managed his light well. Uh, which allowed him to learn to manage CO2 better uh, and and not be so uh, dependent upon getting CO2 and nutrients just right um, for good growth. So, uh, Jay, maybe you could talk a little bit about your aquascape and why you chose an uagumi and uh, what led to you having success because I think your your little uagumi 10-gallon tank is a really nice example of a beginner uagumi uh, if, if folks really want to do an uagumi in the beginning. So uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. You know, what initially drew me to Iwagumi's and aquascaping was a carpet. Man, when I first saw a planted tank with a carpet in it, that was like next level. <laughs> you know, I've never seen, I never saw that before and wanted to do it. And I think that's how most people get really drawn into it and hooked. They see a carpet and they're like, wow, I never saw that before. I want to create that. How do I do it? Let's, let's go. And, uh, you know, there's the hook and we get sucked into that and we, and we do it. And, you know, for me, my personal experience, and maybe this is yours as well, uh, when I was looking for inspiration for my first aquascape, I was kind of turned off by uh, stem plants and broadleaf plants because they looked amateur to me for some reason. Not the aquascapes, but just the plants because I think I associated it with my local fish store and, you know, that Amazon sword that's just sitting there looking all sickly. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to create, you know, something that was at a higher level. So that carpet was really what drew me in. Yeah, as far as rocks, you know, I had these old um, aquarium rocks. They were large and I did everything I could to try to make them work, but they just didn't have enough character. And I didn't want to even admit that to myself in the beginning. You know, that's just my personality. I really, really want to work with what I have around me. Uh, but eventually I said, you know what, this just isn't, you know, uh, up to par. So I went to the local fish store and found some black lava rock, which is the most interesting rocks that they had there. And I took those home and they were like a fraction of the price. And um, yeah, they worked out. One thing Sean forgot to mention there, and it was really the main reason for the success of that first aquascape that Iwagumi is because I'm awesome. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, he really did uh, hit the hit the nail on the head there with the, with the lighting. You know, in the beginning, uh, you know, I have DIY lights, two 10-watt LEDs, and I'm learning now that those things are shooting out. I was probably getting over or close to 85 to 90 par with those things on that 10-gallon aquarium. That's a lot of light. And, you know, but the, 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 the hair grass that I got was grown immersed so when I planted it in not only was it sparse it was short uh, but it was transitioning from uh, you know immersed growth to submerged growth so there was a lot of diatomes and die off and you know I'm blasting that thing with with light uh, and I had DIY CO2 in the beginning there so there was some inconsistency with the CO2 I'm really honestly surprised I didn't have more more 
problems than I did. But I think the reason I didn't have more problems, and this is another one I want to add in here, is water changes. Do a lot of them in the beginning. I, I did 50% water changes every day for almost two weeks. Now, that's probably a little excess, um, but I could almost guarantee that that saved me because uh, I, I was blasting. I was putting way too much light in there, probably not enough CO2, uh, and I could have I run into more issues than I had. But jumping back to the light really quick, you know, I, it was all observation. I didn't have a PAR meter at that point uh, to check things out. So I just kind of observed, hey, I think I have a little bit too much light here. And the way I lowered it, the output on my DIY setup was just raising it higher above uh, the water surface, actually considerably. And I still, you know, had a ton of growth. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how I ended up balancing everything out. I want to talk to you a little bit about an auto top-off system and why I really like them, uh, especially for larger volume tanks. So uh, I run one on my 90 centimeter, and it is very helpful. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why I like it. So let's let's get into it. Uh, number one. Um, I like it because I don't have to top off my tank. In the winter, particularly, um, there can be quite a bit of water evaporating out of the tank, and I have to probably top it off two, three times a week uh, to maintain a fairly consistent water level. Uh, unlike reefers, uh, you know, we don't, we're not as, um, it's not as crucial to maintain a certain salinity balance or, or balance of, of dissolved salts or things like that in our tanks. Um, generally, our our plant life and our fish can tolerate a, a pretty wide range, um, particularly any swings that might result from evaporation. Uh, the other reason, and, and one of the most important reasons why I really like a, a small auto top-off system, particularly for those of us who are using canister filters, right, because sumps um, are very good at maintaining water levels uh, over the course of a week uh, between water changes. Um, but the reason I really like it also uh, is that maintain uh, water level helps can keep the, uh, the ripple, the surface ripple consistent. Uh, and what that does is that keeps uh, my CO2 levels, uh, or at least the degassing of CO2, uh, consistent over time. And that helps with management of CO2. As many of you may have experienced, uh, particularly those who use spray bars, that if your water level drops, uh, the surface agitation increases and this means that you're losing more dissolved co2 to the atmosphere in uh, in the room that your tank is in uh, which means that you're not have you're not having as much co2 in the water for the plants uh, this can lead to instability and if you are kind of close on how much co2 you need uh, or struggling with getting co2 right uh, maintaining a consistent water level may help uh, you win that battle of CO2 management. So a uh, couple reasons why I like a, an auto top-off system. Um, I run one that has a small optical sensor, uh, runs to a small pump uh, where I have uh, an acrylic uh, reservoir, about five gallons, and it runs through about three or four gallons uh, over the course of the week on my 90 centimeter. I don't use auto top-off on anything smaller than that. Um, generally, it's a lot easier to just dump a little bit of water in those tanks um so uh, that's the case um tell me what you guys think do you run auto top off uh would you consider getting one now that we've talked about uh its role in maintaining a consistent water level and how it affects uh, co2 stability uh, as always thanks for listening and keep aquascaping guys
Alright guys, so like I said, my next scape is planted. It's heavily planted. There's a ton of species in there. And I thought it'd be fun over the next couple of weeks to talk about each one of them and go over their characteristics and my observations. And maybe talk to Sean a little bit about them, because he knows much more and has much more experience considering these all came from his aquascapes. He did a bunch, he did a big trimming on a few of his tanks and he was nice enough to send them over my way. So I'm really gracious for that and uh, I'm excited to see how these things grow and learn how they grow and uh, maybe we could all learn something from that. So stay tuned for more information on my aquascape, the plant varieties, and some tips and tricks with each one of them. So if you go to aquascapingpodcast.com and check out the show notes for this episode, episode 10, I'm going to have a list of all of the species of plants in my current aquascape. I might not have it up today, but I'll have it uh, hopefully up you know, in a week or so. And if there's something there that you want to learn about, something you're researching, thinking about planting yourself or something you have already, let me know and we'll bump it up to the front of the list. Like I said, I'm going to try to talk about each one of these species individually in upcoming episodes. Uh, but if there's something that you particularly want to hear about uh, sooner than later, let me know and we'll move it to the front of the list. Aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com is my email. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up the episode here. I got to get back to my aquascape. I got a few things I want to do uh, before the weekend hits. So have a good one, everybody, and we'll see you next time.